0: This is Better Well with Caleb Williams. I'm going to be reacting to Ryan Paneda talking to Chris Noggle about is Infinite Banking a scam. I've never seen this clip, but many of you have shared this with me and said I need to watch it, and so I'm going to watch it for the very first time and record my reaction. I want to be very, very clear that I don't mean any harm towards Ryan or Chris. Chris is a friend. He spoke at one of the events that I put on recently about life insurance. I've met Ryan once. I think they are both doing some incredible things. But I'm going to share truly my reaction, good, bad, the ugly, and then give my final thoughts. This is a 19-minute clip. I'm going to be watching this at 1.5 speed. So uh, let me know if this is an issue. I, I watch clips very quickly, um, two, two and a half. Um, but I thought since I'm reacting, I should taper that down a little bit. But I've found that our, our minds can comprehend a lot faster uh, than 1x. Last thing I'll say is when, when someone asks me, Caleb, what is infinite banking? It's just very simple. It's utilizing... A life insurance policy, in most cases a whole life insurance policy, overfunding it so you're maximizing the cash and then using it as more of a storage vehicle, a place to store capital so that you can use it. Um, And some of the biggest problems with infinite banking is if it's not designed well, they're overhyped. There's a lot of bad math. There's a lot of negative Teaching as it relates to infinite banking. And so I think there's there can be harm done. But I think also a lot of people that say life insurance is horrible, or this is the agents make a ton of money, or the, they steal your death benefit when you know when you die. It's like all that stuff is really false when you look at the difference and nuances of how things can be designed. And so I put over six figures of my money in a year to overfunded whole life insurance. And as a result, I am able to have money grow the rest of my life tax-free. I'm able to have an ever-increasing death benefit. I'm also able to have an ever-increasing pool of capital for me to use to invest in other things. And so that's my like, two cents of infinite banking. Without further ado, let's jump in to the man himself, Ryan Pineda.
1: Have you ever wondered about infinite banking and whole life insurance and whether or not it's really legit? Well, I've wondered the same thing. And I actually had Chris Noggle on my podcast to tell me everything there is to know about the concept. And I'll tell you, as somebody who's been very skeptical of this, um, he actually pointed out some things that I had never considered. So knowing that, I think you are going to have a great time watching this clip and trying to understand it a lot better. So that being said, let's hop into the clip. I want to talk about infinite banking right now. So with your money multiplier, you know, a lot of people have a negative connotation of whole life or infinite banking and all that stuff. Myself included, you know, every time I've ever been pitched it, I'm always like, this doesn't even make sense. Why would I want to do this? And before we got on show, you know, you started to tell me about ways that you're doing it differently and why it actually does make sense in some situations if, you know, your guy actually giving you the policy is building it in a way that makes sense. Mm. So for those who have no idea what I'm talking about, like, let's first break down what whole life is and what this whole infinite banking thing is. Okay. So what is whole life? It's a life insurance policy that lasts your whole life. That's the simplest thing.
2: It is an expensive, overpriced life insurance policy that is sold by advisors because it pays a big commission. Can mm-hmm. I accurately describe that the way that you used to view it? Yes. Okay, well, that's how I used to do it. Exactly.
0: As an advisor. I, I'll, I'll say this. I 100% agree. Majority of life insurance, whole life insurance sold the typical way is exactly what Chris articulated. And I'm actually going to put this to 1.4 because they both speak pretty quick.
2: Listen, I made money managing assets. I sold term and invested the difference. So the day when I was out in Salt Lake City meeting with Mike about borrowing money from one of my deals, and I just asked him, I said, so Mike, how do you lend? You know, I thought I had an idea, and he says, I, you know, I have my own bank. Dirty dog, you got a bank, <laughs> and I'm like, let's go. And he's like, no, no, no I, I created a banking system. This guy did it. And long story short, he, he tells me what it is. He says it's a whole life policy. I sat back and I'm like, and I felt weird because this guy's got way more money to, than me, and incredibly successful. And I'm like, I said to him, I said, Mike, somebody somebody told you a lie, man. Whole life doesn't work that way. You can't put money in a whole life and immediately take that money out. It just I've never seen one that works that way. I've never been taught that, so it just doesn't work that way. And he leans into me and he says, Chris, if it doesn't work that way, how have I been doing this over and over and over again? I said. Okay, what don't I know here? So he turned me out of the guy, and then I watched a 90-minute video, which is where everything changed. So infinite banking. Okay, a lot of people think infinite banking concept is a product. They want to say infinite banking whole life, infinite banking whole life. And I understand why it's that way. The pioneer, R. Nelson Nash, the late R. Nelson Nash, in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, talks about whole life as a machine that moves money for the infinite banking concept. But infinite banking concept is a process. Think of banking. All infinite banking concept is, is the same thing a bank does every day. So why would we use this stupid, overpriced, terrible vehicle that Dave Ramsey, Suzy Orman, and everybody else says is the worst place you can put your money? It comes down to how it's built. See, I didn't know you could take a whole life This, this pull it apart and reconfigure it the same way. The easiest way I can explain this, Ryan, is you know who Ken Block is? No, I don't. rallycross driver, okay? one of yeah. the best in the world. He drives a Ford Focus. That's his rally car. So let's say I get, you know, I want a Ford Focus because I watched one of his videos. I go to the Ford dealership. I'm on the, up the floor <laughs> and I'm looking at a Ford. You're laughing. I'm looking at a Ford Focus. My wife's behind me. I'm like, honey, that's the one. That's the car I want. She looks at me. And she's like, crazy people will not take you serious <laughs> about money. That's the one. And then I, I don't get it. So, but then I'm home and I'm watching. His, his video is going 130 miles an hour sideways around a turn in full control in none other than a forward focus. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between the one on the showroom floor and the one that goes 130 in full control sideways? He's my
0: mod- person driving.
2: Modified it. Engineering. Yeah. So these whole life contracts, they can be engineered and they have been for hundreds of years. The Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the Walt Disney's, the Ray Crocs, the Doe Biden's not to get into the politics side. That is heavily used there. They've all used this for hundreds of years. But We don't know about it. And here's why. As an advisor, I sold whole life if I did, because it was a big old fat commission. Same reason people sell IULs, big old fat commission. But I never knew I could actually build the contract to pay out a really, really low commission. And if I did that, my client had access to more money. That's what this is about. It's re-engineering a whole life contract with a special company, a mutually owned company that pays dividends to work for this. It works just like a bank account. Mm -hmm. So that's what we do. The whole life should never be used as a place to put money and just leave that money there. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, please don't call me. What we teach is that's a machine. We put the money in it. And we immediately take the money out, right? Everything I teach involves changing just one thing, and that's where your money goes first. Not all your money, just the money you would save. Most right. people say we talked about reta-
0: Yeah, I, I'll say something like very spot on so far. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not a big fan of like immediately borrowing. I think you got to be super careful. I think there's going to be regulations in the insurance industry if everyone starts doing that. It's like, hey, like that's never the way that we intended it. I talk about whole life insurance when set up and used properly is a f- foundational asset for you to store and use your capital and the storage gives you so many other benefits let alone rate of return benefits and other benefits to you now and in the short term so we're in alignment and it, again it only works if you design these policies hyperfund them and pay i mean the the person setting them up is going to get paid very very little but at the end of the day if they set it up properly, they'll still get compensated well because more and more people will come work with you. And so that's the whole thesis, at least how we operate with better wealth, is like, let's always do the right thing, and by default, we'll win in the end.
2: Retirement accounts. Most people would save money in a 401k or a savings account, or commonly the savings for people is, okay, I made this much and I spent this much, the rest is, well, I guess how much I save and it sits in a bank account. Mm -hmm. Who's winning that game? The bank. Absolutely. Because the bank is taking the money they've convinced you to give up control of and sending it out to work for them. They lend that money out. They pay you one and they charge me five for the loan. They make a four-point spread in between. And they mm-hmm. didn't have to take on very much risk. They didn't really have to do anything other than know how money works. So when I saw this, I started compiling this whole idea of I just want to be the bank. I just want to mimic what a bank does. The machine, which is the whole life, specially designed and engineered, allows me to put money in it and immediately in the next 30 days take that money out. Maybe not all of it in the first year, but up to 90%. Take that money out and then do stuff with it. Mm-hmm. So that's really how this works. But to go one step further, it's not the policy you should be excited about. But the policy does some things, and the reason we use a whole life, it does some things no other vehicle on earth can do. And let me just pull up money here. I want to do this with a visual because it's just easier for me. <laughs> all right. Everybody saves money or says they are or wants to. So they, when you save money, imagine you use a bank account. You know, we talked about this earlier. Why wouldn't I just keep it in the bank? You could. The bank's going to pay you 1% or less. But the cool thing about a bank account is if you need this hundred bucks to do a real estate deal, you have liquidity to take that money and move it. So what if all I did is I took that hundred and I just changed one thing and I just changed where that money went first. Instead so yeah. of putting it in somebody else's bank that's going to make it work for them, I put it in my bank. Why would I do that? I would do it because my bank pays me up to 6%. The average policy we write is between five point two and six percent with dividends. So one.
0: Chris is Chris is a friend of mine. I think this is misleading. Um the div you can say that the dividend pays five to six percent, which is accurate, but the actual rate of return you're getting, the internal rate of return of the policy is gonna be three and a half to four percent in today's interest rates. And what I mean is you can't just look at the gross dividend and say, you know, you're going to earn 6%. It's because when we hear it pays 6%, we think of like, oh, we're getting 6% interest. That's what they're, that's what's the dividend is putting, but the dividend is after cost of insurance and other expenses. And so the actual way to measure whole life across the board is internal rate of return. That's how we compare internally the different policies and the performance we look at IRR. And that is the most, that's the best way to look at the actual rate of return after cost of insurance.
2: Versus six is all of a sudden better. I'm making 6%, but now I'm worried because that money, that 100 I just put in there, I can't take out. But what if I could immediately in the first 30 days or even sooner? When my check clears, that money's
0: available. And again, uh, a lot of companies in full disclosure don't are not a big fan of this, and so there are some companies that Chris and I do work with that allow us to do this, but I want you to know that not all companies uh, are on board with this, and this could be one of the things that could flag anti money laundering If everyone does this, the insurance company is like, whoa, it looks like there's something sketchy going on. So, just something to be aware of about. So,
2: I go in and then I take out. Now, I'm not going to cut the bill in half, but let's say I need you come to me and you got a deal and you want 9,000 bucks. Let's just pretend this 100 is 10,000. So, then I take a loan from my policy for nine grand. I give you nine grand. I started with 10, making mm-hmm. 6%. I give you nine. How much is left in my policy? Still 10, right? Right. But most people would say 10 minus nine, you got a thousand bucks left because they're doing the math like a bank mm-hmm. account. Yeah. I have 10 grand left in my policy because that nine grand I just gave you wasn't my money. It's a loan. It's a loan from the insurance company. And the insurance company gave me a loan that never needed to be paid back because that nine grand. Wasn't the insurance company's, it's their money, but it's money they promised to me. But to get that nine grand, I have to die. That's Hmm. the other promise the insurance company makes. I gotta die to get the death benefit. Well, I don't get it. Somebody else does. So the insurance company will give me part of my death benefit up to the amount of cash value I have, which is ten grand, as a loan. But that's a swear word already. Some of the people, and I think when I told you, you're like, yeah, but it's a loan. Like there's a cost of the loan, of course. They are they're paying you for six. And the loan cost by today's numbers is 4%.
0: No, so this is another thing that I disagree with. I don't think um, infinite banking, we should get into that you're going to make more than what you're paying in loan. Because at the end of the day, even if you're making six, like which you're not, you're making an internal rate of return of let's just say three and a half and the loan is four. It, infinite banking is still a good idea because of all the other benefits that life insurance gives your portfolio. So I think... Um, we got to be really careful. I guess the math totally works. If you're making um, 5% and you're you know, you're paying four, that's a 20% difference. That's incredible. I don't think infinite banking, I know for a fact, I would not sell or talk about infinite banking in this way of like arbitrage. Because again, um, I don't think it's, it will work out in the end. Um, And I'm not undermining what Chris is saying, I still believe this concept is super, super powerful, but it's because I believe that the internal rate of return is just one factor out of the many factors that our, a permanent life insurance policy gives us, let alone the death benefit, living benefits, all that. I believe that way outperforms the 5 6% or whatnot that it would cost to control, and that's why I do this. But I don't do it because I think I'm going to earn an arbitrage in my policy, because I'm telling you, it's not going to work that way.
2: So 6 minus 4 is a spread of 2. Mm-hmm. Remember I said how a bank worked? One, and then five, they make a four-point spread. I just made a two-point spread. Nothing changed, but now one cool thing. The 10 grand is still in that account. The 10 grand is still earning interest and dividends. And the 10 grand will continue to compound for the rest of my life, no matter how many times I put money in it and take money out, put money in and take it out. And that spread every year, it was two the first year. The next year, it's more. The next year, it's more. Because people don't, they think they understand compound interest, but they don't truly understand what Albert Einstein called the eighth wonder of the world. Money. That earns interest can then earn money on the interest it earns. earned and just compound over and over and over.
0: One of the powerful things about this infinite banking strategy is you literally, when you put a dollar into that system, it will compound for the rest of your life. And if you think about what a lot of people do, they're compounding to like 65 or 70. And, and then there's going to be a point where they take that money out. You're killing the goose that's um, laying the golden eggs. And so one of the powerful concepts, and this is accurate, even if you're earning three and a half to 4% internal rate return, you have to look at that a lifetime compounding versus a half time compounding, and that alone you could justify and say, "Hey, I would take the three and a half lifetime compounding versus the six, but stop at a certain time." And that's one of the powers of having this as part of your portfolio. It doesn't stop. It
1: doesn't take any work. It Doesn't take anything. It just takes time, right? So the whole concept with this is that you're essentially trying to make this two percent spread that will eventually grow. You know, there's not really a ton of tax benefits to doing this. There's not anything crazy. You know, like. You're still getting access to your money up to potentially 90%. Um, in the first year after that, it's more.
0: Okay, after Never, that, it's more. And, and usually break-evens are four year four or five, which means you have more money than what you put in. And that's really where oh. this starts getting really good is you get all the benefits of life insurance and you get more money than you have access to. And that's the difference between the bank account. Bank account, you have more money up front, but there's that break-even. And every year that goes by, the life insurance is gonna way outperform the bank account because of opportunity cost.
1: More. But, you know, as that... Value grows. You can tap into more. Obviously, um, the big misconception—well, I don't even say misconception because it's true—but I've, I've every time I've been pitched whole life. Whenever I look at the sheet that just shows the value of, you know, um, the illustration. Yeah, the illustration of how much I'm gonna make and the value. It always is like I'm losing money until year seven, and then year eight, I'm finally ahead. And I'm just like, why am I doing this? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So how, are, like, how are you get around that? Well,
2: the first thing is you said the first misconception about everything that we do everybody focuses on an illustration. They don't understand the concept of what we just talked about, about moving the money. Because really, if they understood the concept, they'd never care about the numbers as much as you are. Think about it. Like We have two alternatives for what we're talking about. You can put money in a bank account, maybe a money market to have access to liquidity, or you could put your money here. And Chris have is right. To liquidity. But one allows you to make money twice. The other allows you to make money once. Well, and
0: what Chris is saying is if you look at over 30 years, you store your money in a savings account, you get short-term access to money. That's what Ryan is saying. It's like, boom, that's great. 30 years from now, that's gonna cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars because of the lost opportunity cost of where you store capital, not where you invest, but where you store your capital. And so that's the big, that's the big difference between short term and long term.
2: Once. So if I put a hundred bucks in an account in a bank, I make money once, an interest rate. But if I take that hundred out and I give it to you and you're gonna pay me twelve, I stop earning the one and now I'm making twelve. It's still a good day in the office. Here, I take the hundred, I put it over here, I'm making six. Better than the bank. So we're already up on the bank. And that six that I earn is tax free. So people that talk about the taxing, the only thing you've got is like a Roth; it's tax free on the growth. Don't play the tax game because that's not the reason we do this. But now I take this hundred and I take it out, and you pay me twelve on that. Now I'm making twelve from you, but I'm making it spread over here. So which one would you prefer? Make money twice or make money once?
0: And yeah, I I, I disagree with this way of of articulating this, but the idea of making money in two places is great. And again, I would more I would take a step back and say you literally have an asset that's doing amazing things. It's a super foundational asset that's getting you better rates of return than a savings account. It's giving you, it's protecting your life. It's creating tax-free private growth, not six, three and a half. And it allows you to do that and buy that other asset. And that other asset better way outperform the cost of capital that's, that's giving you. And so that's, again... I think that's maybe a, a little bit more conservative way to talk about your dollar doing more than one thing. I want to be very clear. My book literally says um, how to give your dollar more than one job. And so I'm a big fan of this concept of giving your dollar more than one job. Um, it's just Chris and I have a little bit different way of explaining it.
2: So that's it. So let's get to your question. When you look at the illustration and you're looking at it, and you're saying, okay, I put X amount in every year, and it takes me six or seven years to get back what I put in. True statement. okay? But that's because you're looking at it wrong. Now, the policies we designed don't take seven years. I'm going to be frank about that. That policy probably might have been an infinite banking policy, but I think they were making a little bit more money than I make on them because I know how to strip my commissions down and put the lowest death benefits that you have the highest amount. But let's just pretend that's what they all were, is a seven-year break even from a cumulative return. A cumulative return would be the right return for a 401k where you put money in and you never take it out. Mm -hmm. But are we putting money in and just leaving it sit in the policy? Absolutely not. And if that's what somebody wants, it's just a place to put their money and leave it. Don't.
0: Chris has a really good point here is if we're just looking at the break even, we're literally just comparing it to something that you're cashing out and we're comparing it to a stagnant asset. But the concept of infinite banking is you can use it in the first year. So yes, break even matters, but it really only matters for two reasons, opportunity cost of controlling your capital or if you're going to cash out. So that is a really good point that he made and he's articulating in it very, very well.
2: We're not going to be a good fit. We're putting money in and immediately finding an opportunity to move that money out. And that opportunity could, could be your car. Like you have a nice car. I like nice cars too. Every car I buy, okay, I take the money from my policy. So I save up enough to pay cash, take the money, the loan from the policy, and I buy the car. And I figure out what the car payment's going to be. So the truck that I just got, it's $2,500 a month payment. I take $2,500 a month that I would have paid a finance company. And instead of paying the bank or the finance company, I write a check every month or a bill pay to my bank, which is the policy. So I took $120,000 out of it the vehicle. I take the twenty five hundred I would have paid, which I found out by asking them how much would this car cost if I finance it. Twenty five hundred bucks, six year loan at whatever six percent interest. Take that twenty five hundred yeah. instead of giving it to them or putting it in a bank account. I just put it back.
0: The, the big difference is I would not use infinite banking to buy a car. I have many videos that I talk about this. I would give up control and access to my money that could go and gr- get a greater rate of return than whatever six percent that it would cost me to take the loan. And um, so that's a that's a big part and. Usually, I could get cheaper financing from a third-party bank. In my policy,
2: hang the loan down.
0: I will say that this is a good example to get people's mind around. Like, hey, you can use the infinite banking to buy something you're already going to buy. And instead of paying the bank, you're paying yourself. And there's, again, I can have a whole video about the pros and cons of that mindset. It's true what he's saying. I'm not, but what I'm saying is I wouldn't necessarily do that. And the cool thing about me reacting to this video is it's like, I'm not, Chris and I have different styles. We're both on the same team. We're both on the mission of helping people think differently with money.
2: Making interest the entire time on 120 grand. And now I'm recapturing the interest I would have gave away. Now, Mm -hmm. just with cars, if I do just that, here's what happens. You get all the money back for every single car you ever buy, drive, and own and You never have to sell So that car out there, imagine if in five or six years, you could get all the money back, but the car didn't have to get sold to get it. Because you're the bank. So that's one way. Credit cards is another way we use this. We show people how to wipe out debt. If you're giving 20% to Visa, put money in this bank, take a loan, and I pay Visa off. If I was paying Visa 100 bucks a month at 20%. That's money that was leaving my family. I take the 100 and I put it back in my policy. It's the same dollars. My family didn't have to work harder or work longer. It's the same dollars. So back to the cumulative return. If I'm putting money in and taking money out, putting money in and taking money out to pay loans or credit cards off, to buy cars, to buy real estate, lend it out, cumulative return doesn't matter. Cash on cash return matters. Every dollar I put in, how much did that money make this year? So, if I put 100 grand in the policy, how much was the return this year? I put another 100 in next year. What's the return next year? In real estate, the main thing we use is cash on cash return. So, because I'm putting it in and taking it out, the only thing that matters is how much did that money that I put in this year make me? So, that's when we use cash on cash return, your break even, we call it the efficiency zone, is two, at the worst case, three years. So, you're
1: talking the cap.
0: Yeah. So, and, and again, I. I think what he's saying is like we're talking like when you put money in what when your policy is going to increase by more than you put in. I still go back to break even and IRR. I think that's the most accurate way to actually look at this. Um, one of the things that I would say is it's just we we just have a difference of outlooks I think when it comes to that. I um I wouldn't use my policy to buy liabilities. What I would say in the counter to that is regardless if you buy cars, your policies compounding. And so the biggest difference in infinite banking is where you store your capital. In infinite banking, you store your capital in a place long-term that's going to get you 3 or 4% um, tax-free the rest of your life versus a savings account that gets you less than 0.5%. So that's a massive difference. And over 20, 30, 40, 50 years, there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of difference of where you're storing your capital. I could say the same thing You could have a savings account pay off your credit card and you're making an immediate 20% rate of return The big difference between this savings account and infinite banking is 30 40 years infinite banking is going to be more efficient not just internally in the cash where it's stored but gives you all kinds of other benefits and as a result will better your portfolio um sorry i didn't know i'd get so fired up on this i love this and i and i love the fact that chris is able to share on this platform on this strategy and allow people like me to also um, piggyback on this amazing content and share our perspective
1: cash on cash would be two years if you're actually moving money Mm -hmm. but what would it be like if you didn't do anything. It's going to still be. You would never call me. So yeah. it would be the seven years or whatever, it,
2: yeah. six or seven years. Even if it's the best design, it's probably five years. Right. On a cumulative return. Right. Four, and so four years. The only
1: difference is obviously you're training them how to utilize it to get that return higher. And also to you're stripping your commissions down.
2: The way I'm not so much stripping it the way I'm designing it. And I'm putting the lowest death benefit on the plan, which means I get we get paid off of the death benefit. So I put the lowest death benefit by IRS rules and I put the most amount of money in. My commission's naturally gonna be lower. I'll give you numbers, like a $10,000 premium into a regular whole life insurance policy would pay an advisor on minimum 5,500 bucks. 5,500 yeah. for 10,000 dollars. That's a good day in the office, right? Yeah. Now you put 10 grand in a policy I design. My commission's 387 bucks.
1: So why would a guy like you do that?
2: Volume, scale. Yep. I understand volume and I'm a master at picking up nickels and pennies. <laughs> That's it. I, I understand that if I give, I get. Right. You know, you've heard this a million it's times. Really it's really well said. You help enough people get what they want, you get what you want. Right. I got to help a lot of people. To date, that's over 5,000. A couple of years, it'll be 10. So, so, do that little math on 5,000 people. Yeah. It's a good
1: living. The goal is get as many people through Money Multiplier, charge as low as possible, get them in the door, and then, you know, obviously, they're going to do well and, you know, eventually they'll buy some other stuff from me down the road. Same, Maybe, but I'm not after everybody either.
2: Right. I want people that understand the concept and are willing to learn the concept and apply the concept. Because if not, I don't want to work with them because it's just a problem client. Then and right. they put money in the policy and they're like, "Hey, how come I'm not making the money like your video showed? Well, what would you do? Would you did you move the money? Did you do lending? Did you buy a car? no? It's just in the policy." <laughs> okay, let's go back to the first beginning. Remember, this is just a machine we move our money through. And here's the other thing too. let's talk about that. Set. Let's just say it was seven years. Okay, it's not in the plans I designed. But let's just say it was. Would you give up access to 100 of your money for a period of seven years so that then year eight. And for the rest of your life, which, I don't know, how many years you think that is? You got 70 years left after eight years? We'll see. 60, 70 years? Yeah. For 60 or so 70 well years, dollar, you put money into that machine. It printed and gave you back more money than you put in. Every year, And every year you got to raise. And you didn't have to work any harder. It's like a business. Most businesses lose yeah. money the first five years,
0: right? What's- That's the power of the strategy is, is when you get over the break even, you literally can see every single year your policy increasing, um, regardless if you fund it fully or not. It's pretty incredible.
2: Statistic. Mm-hmm. Five years. You're creating a bank. Your bank might not make money right out of the hole. It will because you, you'll move it, but it might not, as it's standalone, make money. But we always build businesses and put energy and effort into those businesses for five years, even if we don't make anything or barely get by because we know the fruits of our labor will pay off someday. In these plans, in the worst plan, the, the seven year plan that you said, even that plan, if you put money in, if I put a dollar in, in in that year, year seven, I'd probably get a dollar fifty back for every dollar I put in. Mm. In the 10th year, if I put a dollar in, I'm probably getting $2 back for every dollar I put in. It's just compound interest. This is just mathematics. It's not my opinion, not speculation. It's mathematics. Right. So would you give up seven years of gain to then for the rest of your life, have a gain and a return on your money that you didn't have to work any harder for or do anything to get? Mm -hmm. That's the question. So when you ask, like, do I want the most amount of people? I want people to understand that. But then I'm going to shorten that curve. And are you willing to give up access to all of your money for three years so that the rest of your life, every dollar you put in, you you get more back than what you put in?
1: So I think a question a lot of people would be wondering is, okay, that's great. Basically, you know, we're talking about making an extra 2% as long as- That's only the first year. Right. As long as I, you know, go use my money effectively. What do you think's a way that, I, I guess you are training people this, but- how would you say people should invest their money? Like what's a lot of ways people are doing it?
2: I just look at what the wealthy do and what insurance companies do and what do the banks do, lend money. So how I've made money is first, I took back all the money I was giving away. I looked at my balance sheet or my, my budget and I said, who's getting money from me every month? Car payments, credit card companies, lines of credit. And I started the process of going through all the places I was losing money and I took it all back. I paid those loans off and I just kept making monthly payments but I made them to my bank. After that, buying cars, we always buy cars. We're always going to, we need them. I started financing my own cars, copy machines in my office. I, this just happened. I, the guy came in to redo our lease on our copy machine, and he said it's going to be one hundred and seventy-one bucks a month. I said, "How much is the copy machine?" He said eighty-nine hundred bucks. I ran the math. I said if I just take eighty-nine hundred out of my policy and I pay the one seventy-one away, uh, one seventy-one a month, I would give away to him back to my policy. I end up making, I think, about four thousand dollars over a six-year time frame on that copy machine. Yeah, I mean, it's endless what you can do.
0: See, and that, that's the thing. And I, I would love to have Chris on because I don't agree with the way that he's explaining that. It's like, yes, a hundred percent, I agree with you. You can use infinite banking to buy certain things. But I think he's factoring in the money that he's making by the, what's happening inside the policy, the compounding. And it's like, that's happening regardless. So you're making a decision to buy the copy machine, whereas you could make that decision, because I'm assuming you don't have infinite amount of money. You could make that decision to invest in something that has a greater rate of return and gladly pay the lease. That's kind of where I, my position is. Um, or, unpopular opinion, just sit on that cash And wait for an opportunity and i would much rather pay someone a couple percentage by controlling capital just a different way of thinking there's not a right or wrong answer but um that's just the way that i would communicate what chris is communicating but my preferred choice is real estate.
1: thanks for watching that clip from the ryan panetta show
0: hey uh first of all congratulations to both chris and ryan incredible show and really just love that infinite banking is being talked about i love the title is infinite banking a scam uh and chris congratulations on on communicating and um you you guys might be like man caleb you can be really critical i want to raise the tide of of this industry and the best way to do that and chris would agree with me is we got to challenge we have to increase dialogue we have to talk we're all on the same team and here's what i would say is you are your greatest asset. If you're doing anything with your money that's r- stripping you a- a- away from showing up powerfully as being your number one asset, you got to completely stop what that is because um, what is a true rate of return? What is a true result of you following something that's not uh, enhancing your one life? And so the reason, quite frankly, that I'm a huge fan of you can call it infinite banking, the and asset strategy or whatever, is it literally enhance you to show up powerfully and um, one thing I will also say is even if you don't do the infinite banking, even if you don't want to lend your money in the first couple of years, which I don't necessarily recommend, only I only recommend it if you can utilize that capital to buy things that can create more revenue. Um, so I don't I'm not telling my clients to go buy cars with their policy, and I'm not saying lend um, take it take your money out or borrow against it right away. Um, i am teaching them to say hey the power of capital if you're going if it's going to cost you 4 or 5% to borrow against your policy let's make sure that whatever activity we're getting we we're getting way more than that and we understand that we we're, we're getting enough to justify liquidity loss that's that's we're using you can't use your policy for unlimited things because we don't have unlimited money um, so overall I, I did the intro and, and explained infinite banking there I put six figures a year we have many clients who put tons of money in a year into these policies and it it's provided massive benefits one of the things that I will say is even if you don't do infinite banking life insurance as like a bond portfolio as a safe asset long term can enhance your future it could enhance your real estate future, it could enhance your stock market future. So understanding that only enhances what Chris has been saying with with Ryan. And again, props to both Ryan and Chris for this incredible interview. And I would love to hear your thoughts. I would love to hear, um, do you agree, disagree? What are the things that you really liked about what Chris said? What are the things that you maybe disliked? Um, share this content Um, love to hear and let me know if like the reacting to these type of uh, videos were helpful you enjoyed like we are constantly trying to help people think differently as it relates to money we really want to elevate our game last thing i would i'll say is i'd be remiss with not inviting you to check out our and asset vault we've created an and asset vault which should be down in the link below and we've done this so that to give you all the best resources on infinite banking and life insurance. We have a masterclass. I have a 50 page um, handbook and asset handbook. That's like a a part two to my book, the and asset. And we also, I did an interview with some of the goats, the uh, amazing people in the space, including um, R. Nelson Nash about infinite banking. And, and we we've shared that interview along with some other incredible videos. And so if you want to check that out, go check out the vault, we, we we look forward to answering any questions and serving you um, if this is something that you're wanting to know more information about. So without further ado, have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.